beyond ideas of wrongdoing and right-doing. There is a field. I'll meet you there. When the soul lies down in that grass, the world is too full to talk about. Ideas, language, even the phrase each other doesn't make sense. Hi everyone. Today I'm talking to Chris. He must be one of the most gentle souls I've ever met. I always enjoy his company when we run into each other at friends, as his energy is really calming and I find that quite energizing. He's doing amazing work on himself and I'm very happy and grateful to be able to hear about his spiritual past today. Good afternoon Chris, how are you doing? Hi, I'm good. And you, thanks for inviting me. You are very, very welcome. It's actually not me inviting you. Well, it is me inviting you, but it's me being the grateful one for you doing it. Thank you very much. I so love your space. That's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, look at that. Mm. As we're sitting for the listeners, we are looking at Lion's Head. Mm. And we're seeing yeah. paragliders floating in the air around us. Yeah. So it's absolutely amazing. That's a great view. Yeah. So how are you doing? I'm pretty good. Yeah. How's life treating you? It's been good. I've, I've been in a quite a good space lately. I've been feeling uh, okay about things, okay about myself, okay. Um, which has often been a struggle for me, as I think it is for, for a lot of us. <laughs> for a lot of uh, us, indeed, yeah. Lots of uh, perfectionism, you know, lots of beating on myself. So I'm, I'm learning to, to be kinder and more compassionate to myself and in turn to others. And... Um, and yeah, just treat myself uh, with unconditional love and acceptance um, and, and that really helps awesome and i can get on with things as you know to the best of my ability yeah. Yeah. how long have we known each other now since well i the first time i met you was when i was still in primary care and okay. that was in july 2010. is it that long ago already yeah so it's uh, seven and a half years yeah I think wow. at that time you were about six or seven months clean. Okay. And you came to do to, to a share. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, well. yeah. <laughs> yes, I actually right. shared at a yeah. treatment facility last night, close to, well, not close to us, but um, in Stellenbosch. Mm. And I haven't done a treatment facility share for a while. I haven't done that for a while either. I, I quite miss it, actually. Yeah. Mm. You must actually let our old facility know that you're available. Because I still get calls every now and then. So, you've been in recovery now for seven and a half years, in other words. Yeah. Was that your first go? Yes. That's an excellent. Mm. That's wonderful. And where did you grow up? In, in Cape Town. I was, born in, I was born overseas. I was born in the USA, in fact. So, you're an American. And yes. <laughs> don't hold it against me. <laughs> I'll try my utmost. As long, really? as, as, long as you didn't vote. <laughs> I did. Did you? Did you, did you vote correctly? I did. <laughs> yes. I voted for, for her. Yippee. Um, okay, I like you again. <laughs> we moved here when I was six years old. My dad is, is kind of a half and a half. Uh, he, he grew up here and, and in America. Okay. We moved here when I was six years old. So where in America were you born? In Boston. Okay, Boston. Which is where my dad lives now. He's, okay. moved, he's moved back there. My parents divorced um, a few years after we moved here initially. Okay. And... I've pretty much lived here ever since. I lived, I lived in Boston between the ages of 19 and 21, and that was uh, 1989, 91. Okay. And I moved back here in 1991, and I've pretty much been here since. Okay. Mm -hmm. What did you go and do in Boston? 
I wanted to move there permanently, and a lot of it had to do with the political situation here. Okay. Um, and I found a university that I, I quite liked, and I was accepted, and it was quite a small, uh, relatively small school of about 3,000 undergraduates. Okay. Um, and I ended up going there for a year, but what actually happened was I, I started to become quite confused about where I wanted to live, particularly when things started to, to change here, okay. which happened quite soon after my, my arrival there. So it was, it was a bit Damn of a... That was bad time. Yeah, <laughs> very, it was a bit of a, a, a dilemma for me. And I actually ended up coming here for a, a kind of a holiday, which turned into a six-month stay. And then I went back to the U.S. again. And, and during that time, when I was back there the second time, I struggled quite a lot and eventually decided that I, I would rather would rather live in Cape Town, particularly as things were, were changing and okay. opening up. So, okay. so, yeah, I made the move back in, in 1991. Cool. Welcome back. Thank you. <laughs> I always say once you've had the African soil under your feet... You're going to struggle to, to fit in any, yeah. anywhere else. Yeah. So, where in Cape Town did you grow up? Initially in, in uh, Rondebosch and Claremont Kenilworth. Oh. And then uh, spent a few years in observatory and, and then moved here to this flat here in, uh, in gardens and okay. went to school down the road at Cape Town High School. Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, wow. God, right. so you are as local as you can get. That's hey? right. Yeah. Wow. You don't get a lot of those. Yeah. So parents got divorced around your primary school time. Yeah, 10 years old. Okay. Mm. And in terms of growing up and having a sense of spirituality or religion or whatever, what was your exposure? Mm. My parents are very uh, non-religious. Okay. And pretty pretty skeptical or or, um, dismissive even of uh, religion. Or particularly of uh, dogma, at least. But even talk of spirituality would make them kind of bristle a bit. Uh, I think they are they're they're just not interested in, in that kind of thing. Me, I, I never I never tended towards any kind of uh, religion either. I, I in fact I, I found it to be um, quite hypocritical in many ways. Okay. But there was a need for a kind of a. A kind of a, um, I suppose it was a bit of a yearning. It was a, a need to um, find a meaning in life, yeah. to discover, um, to just to, to seek answers uh, and to to try and uh, feel comfortable as well in, in the world, which was something that I certainly struggled with. But I found that I, and this is still uh, applicable today in, in my recovery and uh, spirituality and recovery, I found that I would gear towards a lot of, should I say, tangible things or things that I could perceive that it, that exist in the world, like nature, living in, in, in a beautiful city. Yeah. And, but also, part of, I think part of my spiritual journey initially was my discovery of my drug of choice, which was weed, cannabis. Okay. They don't call us a cape of good dope for nothing. Yes, true. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I started that when I was about 17, 18. You were actually a late starter. Yeah. And uh, interesting enough, I I never used to drink alcohol. I never liked alcohol. I was able to avoid succumbing to the peer pressure that that usually happens around that age, 16 or so. 
so I didn't like alcohol, but I, I continued to feel, you know, kind of like a, an outsider. And I struggled with depression. I got uh, diagnosed with clinical depression. Okay, self. Um, my parents from an, from an early age. I can't remember exactly when, but it was probably around uh, early teens or late okay. teens. Um, and I went through uh, different forms of therapy, which were, were all quite helpful. My parents were quite liberal and very understanding. You know, they they weren't pushy in any way. They they wanted me to to learn to figure out things for myself and learn things for myself, uh, which was good in, in on one hand but on the other hand I also felt I also found that I became uh, excessively self-reliant as, as I think a lot of people who, who uh, succumb to addiction do but certainly the using uh, initially was part of my my journey because okay. it, it certainly did allow me to blossom a bit to open up more to feel more comfortable in life to deal with depression um, but it very quickly became a um, all day every day thing okay. uh, within a few months actually. Oh, wow. and then and then that lasted for the next uh, 20 odd years before okay. I got clean but I certainly still remember during that time uh, an increased need for for just an appreciation of life and the universe and beautiful things and relations between people uh, friendships love relationships and uh, the importance of that so I guess you know I've I've always seen it as a as a almost a kind of a Zen philosophy, but um, a lot of it has just been about seeing the the universe and existence for for what it is and looking for beautiful things, but but also accepting that um, that not everything is is I'm not going to you know like or enjoy everything and and that's the way it is and I can accept that, but. Certainly, my, my struggles with uh, perfectionism and um, self-centeredness uh, and you know, make, making things about me, the, that um, went on for many years. I wanted to be a, a good person. You know, I wanted to follow what I now see understand as uh, spiritual principles, the principles okay. of the program. I always wanted to, and I, I found that it was just such a struggle for me, and that was very frustrating. And... I didn't want to, um, you know, become a kind of a born again religious person because that, that just didn't work for me. For freaked me the fuck out. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the dogma, no. the, the the kind of yeah, they just the idealism about it. I mean, I was enough of an idealist yeah. as as it is, but but that whole kind of well, you know, now you are saved and and you know everything is fine and hunky-dory that that just doesn't work for yeah. me my father yeah. became born again at some stage in my life and it was freaky the amount of times that he said praise the lord and mm. <laughs> i remember my mother at some stage saying if he says praise the lord one more time <laughs> so I, how did you relate to religious studies at school because you we were forced to have religious studies <laughs> In, in my I wish you could see the body language that <laughs> it was kind of a drop of the shoulders. <laughs> in, in my school, it, it wasn't that big. I, I remember maybe was it, it must have been one class a week. Yeah, yeah and our class one one class a week as well. And I don't there's a I don't really remember a lot about it. Uh, I do remember that the instructor was a fairly uh, humble guy, and I remember watching a movie called Christiana F. 
Yes, I remember movie. that movie. Yeah. Yeah. And so this was in, in uh, Standard 6, so I would have been 14 years old. And I remember watching this movie and seeing the, the, the scenes where, um, where she and her boyfriend go through cold turkey from, from uh, heroin withdrawal. Yeah. And I remember seeing that and thinking, boy, that's, I don't ever want to, to do that. Yeah. So I often wonder about what the effects of that was on, on my subsequent... I mean, I, I want, I, most drugs, in fact, I completely avoided. Like, I, I was really not interested in drugs like cocaine. I've never tried cocaine or, or anything like that. Okay. Because I just had no interest in it whatsoever. Uh, you know, the consequences just seemed to be... Um, yeah, the payoff is just not realistic yeah. for me. Yeah. And that's, so that's one thing I remember about that class. But for the most part, I, and in fact, I only remember going to those classes for maybe the first two years of high school and then, yeah. and then not again. I do, I do remember towards the end of my um, final high school year, I remember this, the instructor say to me something like, you know, I, I, I hope that you find uh, your spiritual path um, in, in your future. And at the time, I, I, I was a bit, um, I was a bit cynical about his, uh, about that comment. And I said, I said to myself, well, I probably will, but it's not going to be anything like you, <laughs> you wanted to be. But, but then on the other hand, now if I think about it, I mean, maybe he was, I think he was quite a humble and um, uh, accepting or fairly open-minded yeah. um, person. So. So it, yeah, and you know we used to sing hymns uh, in assembly, yeah. things like that. But but that was it. I mean, we we didn't really have a, a huge amount of prayer or okay or anything like that during assembly. I just sang along with the hymns because I like music. Your music is your thing. It's your industry. Yeah. Okay. And that's always been probably my my first love. That and, and cats. And in fact, music, both music and, and cats are animals, but especially cats are, are an important part of my spirituality. Okay. Because, as it is, because as I said, it's about um, appreciating things around me and appreciating yeah. the universe. Music has always been something that I've been able to... Um, to it's kind of like soul food in yeah. a way. And it's, it's, it has helped me to um, enjoy life and it... During my teenage years, it uh, was quite a, a um, almost like a, a lifesaver. Okay. And cats, you know, cats and their their whole demeanor and and uh, the kind of unconditional love that they yeah. show or that all, all or complete show. lack of unconditional yeah. Love. Yeah. That, that or, or unconditional rejection. Their rejection is at least it's not about you; it's me. Exactly. <laughs> I have to be in, independent, <laughs> yeah. or at least pretend that I am. Yeah. Listen, Chris, what did you study for that year in America? I did. Um, we had to do a writing seminar course. We had to do what's called uh, humanities in America, okay. and it's it's. I'm not sure what the equivalent is here, but we we did do. Uh, we studied a lot of classics, and then for the other uh, op- optional classes, I did things like theatre, music. Uh, music theory. Um, so it was in the music field that you kind of stuck to? Well, this was more of a, uh, it, it wasn't really a practical music course. It was more just about uh, learning about theory. Okay. Um, I did, I remember doing French as well. 
which was something I did in high school for five years. Oh, wow. And so I did that for, for a year. And I did quite well, actually. But but even before the, the end of my first year, I was already thinking of, of moving back here. Okay. So it, it, was, it, it was a difficult time. And um, thinking about it now, I... I mean, I, I, I'm glad I moved back here. I wouldn't particularly want to be be living in in America now. Yeah. But certainly at the time, it was it was a, a big dilemma. Okay. And, and your mom is she South African? No. Also mom, American. She grew up in Boston. Her father, in fact, was born in Italy. Okay. In uh, a small town near uh, uh, the city of Crotone, and he came to America at the age of. Uh, his late teens, I think, like maybe eighteen, nineteen, and that would that would have been in the early, early twentieth century. Um, Looking for the American dream. Yes, which uh, didn't happen. What brought him to South Africa? My, so my dad uh, was born here. Okay, so he is he, he's a South African connection. Yeah. Okay. He was born here to and and his um, father was kind of half and half American, half South African. They had been back and forth over the generations. His mother was, was South African. And at about age 13, he moved to, they moved, the family moved to, to Boston. And that's where my dad and my, my parents met and married. And I think part of it was that my dad was offered a good job here with South, okay. South Marine. Okay. My dad also had, obviously, he had quite a lot of connection here. Okay. When you came back to South Africa, what did you do? Study further? I did, but, and in fact, at this time, I, I, I was not um, not using. Okay. But I still was having quite a lot of uh, issues with depression and um, life stuff. I would get involved in relationships, and they would always be very difficult and, and difficult and painfully and um, I studied for a year at UCT but also music didn't um, I did what did I do I, I, I did a, a drama class but not the acting class it was more just again it was like a, it was called a non-performers okay. drama class uh, and I did other uh, first because I started first year again so I did first year psychology um, sociology okay so um, I did as well. Yeah, yeah. And um, I eventually um, continued uh, studying at, at UNISA after just spending one year at UCT. But I've still, to this day, not finished an uh, undergraduate degree. Okay. Because of various things. It's certainly a lot to do with addiction. But um, the, the UCT thing, um, I just ended up dropping out and working. I was working in a music shop, in okay. fact. And then I started a career in music retail, which lasted for, for quite a long time. And then I decided to, uh, yeah, and as I say, I started to study at UNISA. And I continued with psychology, but went back to using uh, very addictively. And, okay. and one of the consequences of that, as it, I think it is with a lot of people, is a lot of unfinished... A priority uh, strange. Yeah. So your priorities change so somewhere along the way. Yeah, well, certainly a lot of like like many other things. Mm. It was like something that was uh, started and, and left unfinished. Yeah, but 
that's I think that as it is with uh, addictive using, no. it's not sustainable really, that lifestyle. And you DJ as well? I do, yeah. I, Often or is it just some just a hobby? It's not a regular thing. I do get invited to um, events by people that I know on occasion. And a lot of that is through my... Um, I've had a job at uh, Marbu Vinyl okay. for, for the last few years. And now it's down to uh, just working there once a week while I, do, while I run my um, importing business from home. Okay. What's that But called? Music Source. Okay, yeah. cool. So people that I've met at, at the shop um, and got to know have asked me to DJ at some of their events. Okay. Um, for example, there's uh, uh, a couple that I know who put on an event once a month called F Future Nostalgia. Okay. Uh, and they have, sometimes they have live acts, sometimes DJs, and, and they've asked me a couple of times to play for them, which is always good fun. I play with records, only with records, because uh, it's, it's just great fun. I love to mix okay. with records. And so records vi is also, vinyl is your passion? Yeah. Records has also been something that I've started to collect again. I think I started again about 10 years ago okay. when, when I started to realize that I actually prefer the sound of vinyl to, okay. to CDs. You know, after Now the collection in that room next to us, mm -hmm. is that your professional collection to some some of, some of it is okay some of that is is for sale for yes. for distribution um, because that's what you do you import and distribute yeah and I how sell, do you market i have a, a um i started out by um contacting people that i i, I knew that i knew were, were collectors okay um and that, that was from contacts that i've made over the years and i've got customers through through Mabu um, and that's that's perfectly okay with Mabu they don't mind okay because it's it's really a separate business you know I, I do new vinyl and they do second hand so, okay. uh, so that's fine and I pay them a, a little commission as well cool and friends of friends have have come to me and uh, I've got quite a, a nice uh, customer base and okay. I've got a number of people who are uh, crazy collectors like me <laughs> and so, so they order plenty and they keep me going but in terms of uh, online marketing I, I, I have a website but it's n it's still kind of in the process okay. of, of um, getting going and in fact in general with this business it's not something I've done before um, it's been very slow in getting things together mm. uh, I, uh, and that has a lot to do with um, with my own uh, struggles with confidence and you know, you know, struggling with feelings of inadequacy and so on. But I, I'm learning as I go along uh, and it's, it's quite hard to get to all the work that I need to do. So, you know, it's, <laughs> taken, you yeah, it's taken ages to get this okay. website ready, but uh, I think once it um, is ready, it should be, it should help with, with uh, quite a, okay. getting quite a lot of customers. Uh, Are you on Twitter? No. Not. No. There's a guy on Twitter called Aidan Hatfield. And he is a depression sufferer. And his company is called the Music We Trust. And it's a clothing range. And for everything that he sells, 50% of the profits go towards a depression support NGO. And it seems as if he's doing amazing work. And the interesting thing is that he... 
he doesn't take antidepressants. He uses music to support him through his depression. Mm. That's very interesting. I yeah. should uh, have a so look at that. Def- definitely. Aidan Hatfield in Music We Trust. It's Is he really based in, in South Africa? Based in, in London. Okay. Yeah. So I ran into him on Twitter. So I'm following him on Twitter. So that's, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I have taken antidepressants for the last 10 years or so. And I remember initially I was quite reluctant to, to start on them. Mm. Me as well. Um, but I did. And they did help initially. It's a mixture of concern, possibly a bit of cynicism about the pharmaceutical industry <laughs> uh, and, and yeah. know, getting hooked on, on their their drugs, yeah. but also at the same time uh, recognizing that I am somebody who has this condition. Me it's, as well. It's, it's clinical. It's, mm. it's a medical condition. And... Um, probably is also related to a chemical kind of imbalance yeah um so there, there is the need for for these um for these meds or at least that that's how it seems okay so back to your spirituality so during the, the 20 years of your using and working with music were you on a spiritual path was that something that you were aware of i i, I still adopted the, the same kind of zen philosophy I still felt that I was uh, seeking answers or seeking a kind of a serenity, I suppose, although I wouldn't have used that word then. Yeah. But um, it was pretty similar to, to what I had, uh, had always been doing up to then. But at the same time, I, I was really struggling with, with a lot of the issues or that we would call defects or shortcomings. Unwittingly, I probably thought that this is what everyone struggles with, the mm-hmm. same, same kind of issues. And still continued to, as many of us do, still continue to feel quite out of place and, and struggled a lot with self-esteem uh, and inadequacy and so on. And, and a lot of self-loathing, which was based on a, on, on a kind of perfectionism. So I, Just I never good that, enough, yeah. just always falling short of your own standards. Yes, which were impossible to reach. <laughs> and I found, like as I, like I said earlier, I found that I always wanted to to do the right thing. Um, I always wanted to um, be kind and loving to other people, and I couldn't. And I never really knew why, which was very frustrating for me. And it's really only, and th- thank goodness for for the the program that I do now, because now I, I am actually finally able to to to. Um, behave according to the spiritual principles of the program. So live the morality that you wanted to live all along. Yeah, exactly. Cool. When I was using, I became very uh, um, uh, isolated uh, in many ways, quite insular. If I had a romantic uh, relationship with somebody, I would always be quite uh, emotionally unavailable. But but also I, I would struggle with a, a kind of a controlling nature, uh, these control impulses, a manipulation of, of my partner, uh, but also just a, a never never really quite accepting them as they are, wanting to, okay. to mold them a bit. Um, and I, I, I could see myself doing this and I thought this is... This is not what I want to do, you know. Why, why am I behaving like this yeah. towards somebody that I should be respecting and accepting and loving? And and it really used to frustrate me, and my self-loathing would would go crazy. And if I hate myself, it's very hard for someone else to to love me. So 
So I, I recognize this need or, or this uh, desire to to do the right thing and, and also to try and live a, a relatively balanced life. Um, and, and that is something that I almost took inspiration from the, the universe for, the yin and yang yeah. balancing forces that hold everything together. Uh, and that's also something I could never quite get right. I, I also believe that, well, at some point I'm, I'm obviously just going to get tired of, of using and I'm just going to stop and so on, but that also never happened. So uh, I never quite uh, was able to get into balance and it's something I still struggle with today. And my particular drug of choice meant that I was uh, pretty lethargic. I lost a lot of um, motivation or zest for life. And things, yeah, things really just started to uh, get worse and worse. And I had a very long, drawn-out rock bottom, okay. uh, I think, which lasted several years. And during which, and it was not knowing about the the nature of the disease yeah. of addiction, trying to stop on my own, mm. not being able to, trying all kinds of things, yeah. cutting down, uh, <laughs> and. You know, not only would it not work, but I would always go back to all day, every day. And, and I couldn't understand why. So it was, yeah, it, it was a difficult time. It was, it was a time when I wanted to, to uh, follow a, a, a spiritual path, which, which wasn't necessarily a, a, a kind of a mystical uh, thing, more, more, more of just a I suppose, a day-to-day, life-on-life's terms yeah. thing where I do what I need to do. I'm a responsible being, but I just I have an appreciation for yeah. everything around me and I feel like I'm part of this this universe, this process. But that was hard to... It was hard to, um, to feel that way, and especially when I started to become more and more isolated towards the end of my uh, using time. There were long periods in which I really didn't have any friends per se. I had okay. a couple of uh, using buddies and, and that was about it. And I saw my family and that was about it really. So it was, it was, uh, it was quite depressing. Sounds um, dark. Yeah. Listen, and when you came into recovery and you saw the 12 steps and the word God, how did you connect with, what was your journey into recovery like? Was Did you take it like a duck to water and said okay here I am God save me or how did that work for you? Not, not initially the first time that I tried uh, a form of treatment was outpatient okay and I was introduced to the, the program and the steps and I was concerned about the what I thought was the religious aspect of it but I I went through and I was starting to get fairly desperate by this stage. So I went through the entire six-week program and learned learned quite a bit, but it didn't work for me because I, I wasn't ready to, I actually wasn't ready to abstain. Uh, the, when I was told that you that I had to stop completely and, and that was it, I wasn't ready to accept that. Okay. That took me another about nine months or so. And then I went to inpatient care. Uh, and by that time I was, was I was desperate and I was ready and I was prepared to, to do what I needed to do. But there still was a concern that 
I was going to have to adopt some kind of what I what I saw as a religious philosophy, yeah. or, or at the very least that I was going to have to start believing in some something some deity or some yeah. entity. But actually, I don't. Okay. Um, I was, as I said before, I was excessively self-reliant uh, for many, many years, and I wanted to have all the answers and get it all right. I had this need to be right as mm. well, which was just based on a kind of um, a need for security or safety or things to be, you know, to make sense in my head. And I believed I had all the power I needed to to stop using, for example, but clearly that that wasn't true. And all I really had to do was was just move away from that and say, actually, I, I don't have as much power and knowledge or answers as I think I do, or even as I, I need to do. And I never wanted to adopt another philosophy of life. It was it just seemed like a crutch to me. I mm. was like, no, I'm going to do it my way and individualist, individualistically and so on. But when when I started to um, explore the program, which initially was in, in um, primary care, and I started to talk to other people and see you know, how the program was working for them, religious and, and not religious yeah. people, then I realized, actually, I can uh, adopt another philosophy into my life. And, and in fact, it's become necessary to do so because um, I don't have all the power and knowledge that yeah. I need. So a power greater than myself has essentially been me plus anything else that can help me, which okay. is the program, um, sponsor, fellow people in recovery, uh, meetings, um, spiritual principles, but also just the universe. It's kind of like yeah. Douglas Adams, life, the universe and, and everything. So it's never been about a particular uh, entity and certainly not one that, um, is um, an interventionist, you know, okay, yeah. sticks his hand down and fiddles <laughs> things here. I, I believe, I tend to believe more in my own agency where, where that's concerned, but recognizing that I, um, I've been clean for, um, for several years now and um, I've, I've, thankfully I've never uh, relapsed and sure that's something to be proud of. Yeah myself on the back Absolutely. one but I at the same time I, I have to acknowledge that this is not something I, I can do on my own yeah I, I do need help and it's okay to need help and it's okay to ask for help from from the universe in, in, that's a in huge, huge shift hey? yeah. from from where you were it's certainly a, yeah yeah so it sounds as if you've you've adopted the good or good orderly direction concept yeah. you know just yes. what whatever Whatever takes you on the right path and keeps you on the right mm. path, and and that right path is, is a path that works for you. Yeah. And not not prescribed by anything by anybody. Mm. It's what mm. what's okay for you. Mm. And I, I think that's the great thing about the the steps, and that's yeah. why it works for for me and many other people, and can work for anyone. Yeah. Really, which is a fascinating thing to to think about. I mean, how many other things you know programs like that are there are there out there that really will, will work for anyone absolutely um, and, and can quite easily be um, adapted to to suit one's needs and, and that doesn't mean that you know things don't change along the way or, or evolve um, as, as they certainly have for me and and yeah I see it as a, as a good orderly direction and a, and a, a kind of a question of karma um, it's quite obvious that if I do this thing that's unhealthy for me it's gonna have these consequences yeah. 
and and also having said that it it is um, at times it is very difficult for me to to do the right thing um, especially where when it comes to looking after myself and that is um, something that I've that I'm um, trying to to work on and it, it means that I, I have to develop more of a willingness and a more of a sense of of self-worth and uh, love for myself but Certainly looking after myself and, and my health has been quite difficult. Um, when it comes to uh, interactions with other people and um, uh, emotional connections or expressing myself emotionally, I think I've, I've made quite a lot of uh, progress in that area. In that area. Um, and I also go to therapy. I go, in fact, I go to therapy uh, twice a week, as I have done for for many years. And the person, fabulous, yeah. And the person I go to is, in fact, somebody who worked in the treatment center that I was at before. I, okay. um, Nikki, you know Nikki. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, she's great. She uh, she knows me well, and she she is a, a very empathetic person. And she really is is lovely, and she's helped me a lot. So that's part of your taking care of yourself is is getting therapy. Certainly, that that part of it, yeah. and, and uh, learning how to um, to uh, engage emotionally with other people, yeah. um, and also to do the right, to try and do the right thing where other people are concerned. And, and if I don't, if I, you know, get it wrong, then I apologize or promptly admit, as it says yeah. in the steps. So, so that area has been been uh, I've made more progress than in that area than I have in say the the um, physical part of the looking after myself part. I've been able to I mean for example I've been able to to change my my diet because you know, my dietary needs. Um, for example, I, I was told that I have uh, quite high cholesterol, so I've been okay. able to reduce my intake of animal fats, dairy, okay. and stuff like that. But Things like exercise, uh, sleeping pattern is, is a struggle for me. I've always been the, a night owl kind of person and it's been very difficult for me to, Are you have, serious? Yeah, to have a regular sleeping pattern, particularly because I don't have to be up at a particular yeah. time. I can keep my own hours and I mean, that's very nice, but it, it does mean that I, I tend to be quite indulgent and, and it's, it's self-will. That, that's really what it yeah. is. Um, and it's it is difficult to move away from. Oh, it, it sounds uh, as if once you've got a, let's just call it what it is a fucked up sleeping pattern. Yeah, it is, it is <laughs> I'm married to up. somebody like that. Yeah. and that's one thing that I've learned for myself in recovery is my sleep is so important. Mm. I have such, even I have to say it myself, I've got an excellent sleep hygiene mm. because sleep was a problem for me in active addiction, yeah. and the gift for me of recovery is sleep. So, oh my God, I treasure that with my whole heart and my whole soul. I mean, as I said to you in the, in the, in when we set up this, this 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 chat, I said to you, oh, this time because it's still time for an afternoon nap. I, yeah. I love my naps over weekends. It's mm. part of it's part of what I do. Mm. So, as things stand at the moment, from what I can gather, you you do everything that we taught in recovery, the the, the whole all the pillars and those those type of things. But do you do the meditation and those type of things, or is that does music for that for you? I've tried different forms of, of formal meditation, which I, I do sometimes do, and I've I went to a, a mindfulness workshop, once, oh, cool. which which was which was fantastic, and during that workshop we we did quite a lot of yoga because yoga is a way of getting of being mindful about your absolutely about body. and after that I started to go to to yoga uh, very regularly. Okay. 
And I, I went to this lovely spiritual uh, center, ashram, in fact, in Rundabosh East, mm-hmm. um, to do yoga. But then, sadly, my car uh, was stolen. I don't know. Oh, that, God. Did I tell you about this? I can't remember. But uh, my car was stolen in July last year. So transport oh. has been difficult. And I haven't got myself back into going regularly to, okay. to, to yoga. And it, uh, I have a constant, my flatmate goes very regularly, so I have a constant reminder. But uh, it's it's been a struggle to to get back into or to okay. to motivate myself, even though I live in an area where there are pl- plenty of places yeah. that I could go. So yoga was for your form of meditation? Yes. So I, I found yoga very meditative, a great way of getting in touch with my myself and just being with myself yeah at the end of every yoga session there's always a 15 minute um like uh unwinding unwinding period yeah yeah, where where you just kind of lie there i used to love that yeah that's Mm. terrific and i think on a a day-to-day basis you know i i do use things like music cats even um as a meditative tool uh, also, even something as simple as, as looking at the, the beautiful view, yeah. view outside and uh, appreciating um, things like nature and things like that, what I see around me, I also find is, is, a, is a kind of a form of prayer as well, because yeah. it's, it's a way of being um, grateful for, for what's around me, which uh, you know allows me to practice something like gratitude, which, which doesn't come that naturally yeah. to me. <laughs> Um, Hardly ever, eh? yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, meditation for me is well. I, I guess it is about trying to um, trying to clear my mind a bit, or at least you know, not not um, not obsess about something that is not here in this moment. It's, oh. it's about being in the, in the yeah. moment, really. And you know, my head can get quite cluttered. Yeah. Uh, I can feel a bit overwhelmed yep. by by life sometimes. By the smallest um, things mm. as well. Yeah. And um, any form of meditation, whether it be you know, looking at the view yeah. outside, is a way of just of just shutting that down for, for a bit. And you've got and such a lovely park just, just up the road. Yeah. This entire area is beautiful. It's I beautiful, love going yeah. for, for walks around here. Yeah. Um, I used to hang out in the park lot. Actually, my, I think my will still says that my ashes need to go into that park. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's, it's so, so lovely to, yeah. to, 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 it's such a beautiful park. That's lovely. I love, yeah, when I drove past here now on the way here, the family is just hanging mm. out there and the dogs, in summer when the dogs play in that um, fountain, yeah, it's yeah. so lovely to just sit there and watch the dogs with absolute passion for life playing in that yeah, water. It's it's but you know, talking about uh, families and people going there, they have these uh, free concerts, concerts yeah. and uh, good, this time of year. Good music as well. Yeah, and I, I've I've been to the I've been to it once or twice, and it really is nice. It's just a lovely atmosphere. Mm. Lots of people um, enjoying themselves. And I, I, think, I think they're actually having really a, nice. having Mikasa. Mm-hmm. As I love Mikasa. Mm. I love, love, love that, that. I don't know. There's just a nice vibe, yeah. vibe to them, and I think they're one of the bands who's, who's coming. And I saw, thought I must drive through and come and listen to them one day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I mean, yeah, this this area, this whole city, really. Yeah. Is, is no, a you live, to live in an amazing, amazing and, spot. Um, it's yeah. It is nice to walk around here, although uh, I, I've. I've uh, I struggle with the the hills a bit, um, <laughs> but it's again it's tried jogging I, in this I area. Yeah. 
feel for But Chris, this was awesome. Yes, thank you. Thank you very, you very much. Very, very much. I appreciate your time. time. And yeah. this coffee was excellent, by the way. Are you it's a bit a of a coffee connoisseur? I am. Uh, it's well. It's 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 call it what it is. It's an addiction. But uh, you know, I used to drink five to six cups a day, and nowadays I have maximum two. Yeah. So, I take so two two cups improved. of caffeine as well. So yeah. this was my last one, and I'm always I'm always reluctant to say yes to other people's coffee as my last cup for the day. I'm always afraid. What if it's awful? Mm. But thank you so much. Thank I'm you. really really appreciated. Yeah, it was awful, awesome hearing your story. I never knew that you were. American mm-hmm. and the music. I don't see you as a DJ. I've never heard you DJing, but I, I've seen your name on posters quite quite often. Mm-hmm. And uh, I always think, oh wow, this is interesting. Thank uh, you so much. Thanks. I so enjoyed this time spent with Chris. As mentioned, we sat comfortably in his lounge in Gardens, Cape Town overlooking Lion's Head on a most glorious day, drinking fantastic coffee. I can hardly think of a more suitable backdrop for a conversation like this. I'm very happy that Chris is walking this path of recovery with such commitment and is finding the gifts of recovery coming to him. I can hardly think of a more deserving person. If you are interested in looking at his vinyl business, please look him up at info at if you have any feedback or remarks, please feel free to pop me an email or connect on social media. It will be great to hear from you. If you want to know more about what I do, please feel free to connect with me on my website, which is www.freddy.org.za, or find me on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash freddy.org.za, or on Twitter at at Freddy. Remember that Freddy is always spelt with an IE at the end. Be safe. Bye.